But right now we need to be stronger than ever. And I was just thanking the Lord for for being here. This is just something that's just every January. I talk to my office and I say, call Waco. And something happens. I'm, I'm hoping something happens to this church when we come. Because something really happens when we're here. Even when Lois teaches and when we, when we step out in the Spirit, it's, it's almost like it sets a precedence for what we're doing for the rest of the year. Things come out here. In fact, I'll list, re-listen to tapes from these services. And I'll go, wow, something kicked off there in that place. And it also helps because your pastors are receptive and open. And they want everything, everything we got. And what helps that is they've taught you to be the same way. Hallelujah. So the more you enter in and rejoice with us, the more that happens. You said, is it that way with healing? Yes, it's that way with healing. Tonight, I really thought about healing tonight. People being healed. Manifestations coming. Manifestations in your body. Manifestations in your emotions. Manifestations in your hormones. Manifestations in your chest, asthma, whatever it is. Manifestations of healing that will come forth manifestations that's what we're looking for i'm looking for that for these meetings starting off tonight sunday morning and sunday night and uh you want to go ahead and finish your deal so finally my brethren ephesians 6 10 says finally my brethren and this is kind of going to be kind of one of our marker scriptures you know you got road you got uh, markers on the road you're traveling on it helps you to know you're on the right path and and if you if it gets a little dark and and things get a little you know um, you, you know you go a little ways and then you think well I'm not quite sure where I'm going well then you see one of those markers one of those signs and then you know right where you're going well this is going to help you to understand right where we're going and we're going to just see what the word of God the light of God's word is saying to each one of us individually and corporately And he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, the last chapter of Ephesians, he says, finally, (laughs) even Paul, like that kind of winded up there as he's preaching, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, he's talking about you being strong in the Lord, but then he talks about the power of his might. He's talking about God's might then, but he's talking to you when he says, you be strong. When he says finally there, he's not saying something like he's never said it before. And finally, he's making his point like some preachers you think are doing, you know, finally. No, what he really is, is he's really focusing all of the truth that he said in chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And he's saying, I'm just kind of focusing you in here now. In chapters 1, Jesus, you know, the plan of God made manifest, went through death, hell, and the grave. And in chapter 2, we're together with him. And in chapter 3, the hour of the church is here to manifest that truth. And in chapter 4, there's a working of God in you and in the body together to bring forth the reality of what he's done. And in chapter 5, he talks about working it uh, together in relationships with each other. And you know, anybody who does anything for God learns how to do it with other people. And then in Ephesians 6, he says, now let me tell you, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power. Now he's saying, now I'm not asking you to do something 
You know, when he says the power of his might, the word power there is the word that refers to signs and wonders in the, in the New Testament. But he doesn't ask you to do something that will actually manifest a supernatural. I mean, you, you know, God wants to do something that can be visibly noticed in your life that is only possible because of his supernatural might and strength. But he says, but now he says, now finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so really what he's saying is, is get a hold of who Jesus is. Be strong in the Lord. That's the word, really the same word. Remember when Jesus said to the disciples, or he didn't just say to the disciples, he said it to 500 people. He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He said, remember what happened when they stayed in Jerusalem? He asked 500 of them, but how many of you know how many were in the upper room? 120. So, you know, more than were there had the invitation. So like a but church you know, service. <laughs> yeah. You know. Some of my pastors said recently, you know, I, I really did invite more people. I expected more to come. I said, that's probably what God says up in heaven every day. <laughs> I really did expect more to show up. I really did expect more to come. But, but he's saying, you know, just like when they were endued with power, that's the word, not just the word for dynamite, for, but for a dynamic event that actually shows up in your life. And he said, be endued with power. And you know, these guys, they were hiding. In Acts chapter 1. And in the first part of Acts chapter 2, they were in the upper room hiding for fear of the Jews. But when they were endued with power, oh, they came out on the streets and the Bible says that they didn't know what was wrong with them. That they were drunk with the Spirit. They thought they were drunk because of what they saw and heard. And Peter got up, the same one who denied him not too long before, was the one who was boldly proclaiming the truth of the gospel because of God's mighty power working in his life. That's the power we're talking about. You say, I'm just, you know, I'm just Jethro. I'm just, I'm just Bertha from, you know, Waco. No, no. You are endued with power from God. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the, really, he's saying, be endued with the power of the Lord and the power of his might. In other words, just let it just wrap you up and let it cause a visible manifestation of what God has done in Jesus Christ. It's the same word that's used in Ephesians 1.19 when he says that it, he, he worked in Christ according to the working of his mighty power. You know, that power is working in here tonight. It's working. You say, what happens when that power works? Bodies are healed. What happens when that power works? Freedom comes where there was bondage. What happens when that power works? People who have nothing, no hope, despair, don't have anything in the natural to even give them any reason to breathe. All of a sudden, the confidence of God comes upon them. And they're the ones that go out. And they're the ones that lay hands on the sick. And they're the ones that get out in the middle of their generation and say, Jesus is alive. So glory to God. Everybody shout glory. Glory. And just say he's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for your presence and power. Thank you, Lord. Jesus is alive and we are alive. Are you guys alive? Yeah. He's alive.
wondering about making some kind of decision well the Lord's going to show you what to do and the air will get clear as you focus on him and lay aside all the cares of this world and let the answer come from within for you'll see with the eyes of your heart and not with the eyes that observe things just from the outside for God knows your future better than you know your past and he knows he knows what to do and if you'll look to him he will show you hallelujah hallelujah glory to God glory. part of that is praying in the spirit and when you're in a church service jump in and join jump in, in. <laughs> I know some of you uh, kids learn to learn to I mean you know you can dance you know I mean I don't mind that so much but just make sure that's not the only dance you do. It's kind of like praying in English. Make sure you pray in tongues. You know, you can mess around and dance. It doesn't bother me a whole lot. But make sure you know how to dance in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Woo! Because there is a difference. And if you say, I don't know how to do that, you want to know the easiest way to figure it out? Get with somebody who does. Hallelujah. Just get with somebody who does. This is a faith church. So we enter in by faith. What is it Brother Hagen always said? The word won't work for you till you get thrilled with it. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do? Well, you take a step out and you just act like you are. <laughs> I tell you, that's how it works. You act like you are, and it is. And you know, we don't always do things. You know, sometimes I don't know what it is. Young people think you know adults do things because that's just the way we are. No, we do it by faith. We don't feel it all the time either. But there's a little thing we've learned. It's called faith. Faith. Faith puts action. What is it? That thing that they always say. Raymond, they say something puts action to it. Whatever that saying is. Anyway. Instead of saying, someone saying, well, bless God, glory to God, let's praise the Lord, yes, we're healed, yes, praise And instead of you going, yeah, I know that's true. It's, it's true. I know, it, I know it's true. You make a shift on the inside of you and you go, because, you know, your voice can hasten the victory more than anything else. You, you use your voice and you, and you take a shift and go, yes, that's absolutely true. You're right. I agree. Now, you may not feel like it. Things may not look that way. I mean, you may be laying on the bed. You know, and maybe that's all you can get out is, yes, you're absolutely true. That's giving glory to God. If all you can move is your big toe, move it. Give glory to God by, with your voice. Because we are redeemed. And we're going to preach it, and we're going to sing it, and we're going to live it, and we're going to act it, and we're going to be more wild than we've ever been in our lives. And this church is going to be more wild and more active and more faith, more redeemed. I mean, just preach it, 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 preach it. Till all of Waco knows what you guys preach. That's the truth. 
It's the truth. People will come, get them here, leave manifestations of healing, get them here, lay hands on the sick, get them here, call people in, don't just come yourself. People won't hear the gospel, they won't hear that in the garden God was good, and that the people sinned, and we lost everything we had, but then God sent His Son to redeem it all back again so we can have garden life again. They won't hear it if you don't bring them to church, and if you don't tell them, don't just say, well, they can just go out there and go to hell and not care. They won't know unless you bring people in. Dear God, when I was a church member, I brought people in with me all the time. I'm still a church member, but what I'm saying is I can't stay home. I can't work in the local church. I'm a traveling evangelist. When I'm home, I attend church. I cannot get involved because I'm a traveling evangelist. I'm not there. But when I was involved in the local church, dear God, I wanted to bring people in to hear the message. I wanted to bring them in. Don't just say go to hell. Don't just, oh, just stay out there and do your thing. No, no, no. Bring them in. So they can hear. Your, t- your pastor's a wonderful teacher. People need to hear that. They need to hear the gospel. We've been redeemed. What we lost in the garden, we got it back. We got it back. He did everything. He did enough what it took. The veil was torn in two from top to bottom. And he said, open up now my power. There's nothing holding my power back now to be released on the earth through those who believe. Woo! We got to do that. I was expecting this place to be overflooded tonight. I thought if nobody else is doing anything for the name of the Lord tonight, oh, this place will be packed. Standing room only. You have to make sure they have to. Oh, yeah. Well, sorry, you have to stand out in the rain. I'm sorry, there's no room. And that's the way this church has got to be. I just can't get that out of me. It's got to be. And I'm, I'm standing with you, and it will be. And I'm not saying that like, well, bless God, it will be. I'm saying it will be. You keep preaching. You people keep talking. Keep bringing people in. Bring your neighbors. Bring where you shop. Oh, don't just let them go anywhere. People who have nothing that are not that are destitute. People who are rich and think they have everything. And say, you know what? God, with Him, you have everything. And you're a beautiful person when you have Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what your income is. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you wear. However, we would like for some people, you know, to once you've walked with the Lord for a certain amount of time, you do want to give Him your best. But if your best is just starting out somewhere with what you got, praise God, give Him that. But He's worthy. Worthy of our attention. He's worthy. But you look at people, no matter what they're doing, and you go, Oh, praise God. He loves you. You're valuable. You're valuable to God. You're valuable to somebody. I love you. Do you need prayer? I've got Jesus. I'm Jesus' representative on this earth. God is in me. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I can pray for you. I can lay hands on you. I can pray for your family. What do you need? God's right here in the flesh, standing in front of you. I'm a representative of the kingdom of heaven. Woo! It's that simple. It's that simple. Hallelujah. Oh, you're worthy. 
did everything in your son for me. Oh, when I was hurting, when I didn't understand, when I was confused, oh, when I thought nobody liked me, oh, when I was sick and dying, oh, you loved me and you're worthy, Lord. <laughs> oh, you're worthy. Boy, he's worthy. Isn't he worthy? Woo! Oh, that's released in us and his son. It's released in you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, so what are you doing? Well, I'm waiting on a couple of things, but if I should do something now or let Lois do something. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. You say, what happens? Well, you, you, you pray in the Holy Ghost and you, you follow that inward witness, the voice on the inside. Sometimes too often we go to other people and want them to answer our problems and answer our questions. When really we need to use the word that we got at some point. You know, Pastor, can you do this for me? Well, it's just so much he can do and she can do. Thank God. I mean, I thank God for my pastors. But I tell you, if I didn't have the word, I, didn't, I don't know what I'd do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, I thank God for people, but I tell you, the Word says that by His stripes I was healed. It says I've been redeemed from the curse. Jesus Christ became a curse for me. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that I don't have to live under that curse anymore. I don't have to be poor anymore. I don't have to be poor anymore. Now, I, I, I asked the Lord today, I said, Lord, will there ever come a time in my life where everything will just be okay? No phone call. No hurt feelings. Nobody in the family needing to pay a bill. Nobody talking about somebody behind their back. Nobody, you know, offended. You know, people, you know, seeking everybody else's feelings except for your own. You know, people, that's what the Bible says, seek the interest of others more than yourself. You know, people just doing what's right instead of what they think is best for them and who's going to notice them. But no, do what's right. Does that make any sense, anybody? You know, do what's fair, do the right thing, the fair thing, the honest thing, the dignified thing. I said, Lord, will there ever be a time when everything's just okay? And, and he said, no, there won't be a time when everything's not okay according to the world. But he said, there, he said but, it is, but it can be okay with you. Does that make any sense? In other words, regardless of what goes on, it's okay with me. <laughs> In other words, even if things don't change, you do. If the stock market falls, I'll have enough money to give and go overseas and be a blessing. If somebody else does something to me, well, that's their problem. I'm okay. Am I making any sense? Relationships, you get a phone call and you know somebody in the family was divorced, somebody left. You got a call and your, your own father leaves or something. You go, well, that's not okay, but I'm okay. <laughs> Because I'm in Christ and, you know, I'm strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Woo! You get sick and everybody's in bed and you get up and you go, well, I'm okay. <clears throat> Somebody calls you and says, well, did you hear about Sister Santo? And you go, well, I'll pray for her. And then you hang up the phone and go, oh, I'm okay. Am I making any sense? We're redeemed from the curse of the law. Hallelujah. There's a curse that was set in in the garden. But Jesus came and brought us back and gave us garden life. We're redeemed from all that stuff. 
Well, I don't see it in my life. Well, you got to speak it and say it. I, I had a, a problem the other night. I thought, man, I thought I, 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 I could, I feel like, I, I don't know, I feel like I'm dying right here in the spot. It was four in the morning. But I'd been saying I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. According to Galatians 3.13, Christ became my curse. Redeem me from the curse. Therefore, I no longer have this problem. See, I've been saying that a long time. Something happened to me, and I recognized, boom, everything had left my body. And I went, wow, this stuff really works. Hey. It really works. You can have other people help you, but there comes a time. Some of you in this room need to stand on your own two feet. Speak that word. Everybody say, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. From the curse of the law. From the curse of the law. There's a curse. That came in through the fall of Adam. The fall of Adam. But I'm redeemed. But I'm redeemed. I'm born again. I'm redeemed from the curse. I'm redeemed from the curse. I'm redeemed from sickness. I'm redeemed from sickness. I'm whole. I am whole. If I'm redeemed from the curse, if I'm redeemed from the curse, then that sickness can't plague me anymore. Then that sickness can't plague me anymore. I don't care. I don't care what it looks like. What it looks like. Or what I feel like. Or what I feel like. Devil. Devil. I'm going to say. I'm going to say. I'm redeemed. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, some of you missed a great chance to say something just then. Usually, those are the very people who come for help all the time. Those are the very ones that you said, Well, did you say that with us during the meeting? Did you enter in? No. Oh, <laughs> well, okay. All right, let's say it here. <laughs> what was it? Who was it? Brother Hagin said every time somebody came in for counseling, he said, Well, let's get on our knees and pray in the Spirit for an hour. He said he lost more counseling sessions. Because <laughs> nobody wanted to get on their knees and pray in the spirit for an hour. <laughs> oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lois, you want to share something? Oh, praise God. You want to sing another song? The Message Bible says in Galatians 3, oh, glory. it says, The obvious impossibility of carrying out a moral program should make it plain that no one can sustain a relationship with God that way. The person who lives in right relationship with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. In other words, instead of taking a hold of what you do, you take a hold of what he's done for you. You understand? Yes. See, whatever... whatever um, uh, you focus on is what's going to develop in your life. And, you know, if you focus on, you know, you take a camera, you focus it on your grandma's feet, that's what you got a picture of. You understand? It's the same way in life. Whatever you focus on, if you focus on your problems and you focus on your weaknesses, then that's what will develop in your life. But if you take a hold of and you focus on what God has done for you, then that's what gets uh, uh, developed in your life. That's what I didn't And say. he says... Oh, that's what I said all that. That's what, in that one line. Doing things... I should have just let her do it, huh? Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. Rule keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith, but it just perpetuates into more and more rule keeping. 
But Christ redeemed us from that self-defeated, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree? That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and at the same time dissolved the curse. And now because of that, the air is clear and we can see that Abraham's blessing is present and available for non-Jews too. I got it. In other words, this blessing doesn't come because of uh, your bloodline in the natural. It comes, comes because of your bloodline in the spirit. In the King James Bible, it says, and we who believe are blessed, he says, that we might receive the promise by faith. In other words, I'm telling you, spirit's thicker than blood. You think blood's thicker than water, but spirit's thicker than blood. And he says, we are all able to receive God's life, his spirit, in and with us by believing just the same way Abraham received it. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He not only became a curse, he absorbed our curse and left us completely free of it. So you might think you got a family curse, but I'm trying to help you to see your yeah. family blessing. blessing. Yes. Because I'm telling you, the blessing that comes to you in Christ dissolves the curse. Y'all with me? Yeah. You know, and I understand God outdid the devil. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he flat just outdid the devil. Yeah. The devil That's what, why this. Romans 5 God says that much more... Yeah. Grace does reign than sin. Much more. Everybody say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. For the grace of God. For the grace of God. Much more. Much more. Abundant life. Abundant life. It reigns in me. It reigns in me. This is my day. This is my day. To be free. To be free. Everybody say, I'm free. I'm free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think we Just warming you up for we something. We might have to do that again later, but Whoa. I just uh, had to get that out when we did. Um, you know, God is speaking today. How many of you know it? God is speaking in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. It says, God who at different... Well, I'll read it out of the New King James. God at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, have it, has in these last days spoken to us by, by his son. But isn't it interesting? He says he has spoken in past days, but today he is speaking to us by his son. I know it's hard, but, but try. <laughs> but he says, because I don't have a lot of room, so you don't, have, you don't have room to maneuver, do you? He has in these last days spoken to us by, these, by his son. How many of you know we're living in the last days? He calls it the last days. He says, let me read this uh, other scripture here. He says in, um, in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, all those things happened to them as examples and they were written for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. So how many of you know we're living in the end of the ages? 
You say, well, I don't know if it's the last generation or not. Well, let's just put it this way, Bubba. It might not be the last generation, but it's your last generation. You got it? In other words, I don't know how long it's going to go on, but I do know how long it's going to go on for you. It ain't going to be much long. You don't have much time on this earth. But he, all, he says we're at the end of the ages. You know, there have been previous ages or different times where God has spoken before our time. And actually, if you go back in the Bible, you'll find out he called the first time that God spoke in the Garden of Eden. Remember when Adam and Eve walked in the garden and they had no sin and they had no consciousness of sin? And it's actually called the age or the time of innocence. And God spoke to them during that time, walked with them in the garden. In different times, he spoke in different ways. He actually walked with them in the garden. And then when sin came in and that age or that time ended, it went into what we call the time or the age of consciousness, where men's soul ruled them, where they were ruled and dominated by their flesh. And you know what happened? You know, Cain slew Abel. Remember that? And, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. You remember that? And uh, uh, that's out of Hebrews 11. And during that time of consciousness, uh, it actually ended with a flood. The flood that came through Noah came, the Bible says, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it came because of the grace of God. And that age ended. And then we went into an age which is called the third age that, that we know in Bible, uh, you know, instructors will, will tell you this, that it was the age of human government. It was when men ruled themselves. And actually that age was uh, most uh, identified with the Tower of Babel. How many of you know what the Tower of Babel was? You know what that was? Men ruled themselves and ended up with the Tower of Babel. In other words, you know what Babel is? It's just a whole lot of talk about nothing. You know, let me tell you something. We live in an age where we know everything about nothing. I'm telling you, you can, you can absorb knowledge about all kinds of things every second of your life and still there's much more you need, you don't know. You'll always know There'll always be more you don't know than there is you do know. (laughs) So if you let it bother you, you're never going to really do anything significant. But the problem with our generation is the knowledge that's available. There is so much knowledge about absolutely nothing. I mean, you know. I mean, you know, there's just channel after channel after channel of, I mean, we got at least four news channels that go around the world 24 hours a day trying to tell you everything about everything about nothing. I mean, well, the other day there was some, you know, channel that was on and, and they started talking about all the, the personal stylist and the personal, you know, uh, 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 makeup artists and, and the personal, you know, designers and all these things. You know, they said they got all these people like this and they're talking about all the things these people do, talking about knowing everything about nothing. And they said the reason they got all these personal designers and, and personal stylists and personal wardrobe analysts is because that's the way that their position is actually, you know, that, that, that have significance. And I thought, no, nah, that's not really what gives you any significance in life. If you got a personal, you know, shopper and a personal makeup artist. And I'll tell you what gives you some significance in this life. It's when you got your personal savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And I just thought, you know, everybody wants it just for me, just for me. It's just my own personal, my own personal stylist, just for me. I thought, you just, you really, that flips your, your switch. I'm telling you, wait till you find out who Jesus is. He's your very own personal Savior. And I mean, when you find out who you are in Christ Jesus, you talk about someone who actually fits, knows what fits you. I mean, somebody who tailor-made, you want some tailor-made clothing? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You want something that actually fits you? You feel confined. You feel like you just aren't, I don't know, something is just, I don't know, it just didn't right. Well, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, because I'm telling you right now, it's tailor-made by God. He knows how to do it. But anyway, and so here they are, you know, in the time of human government, I got all that off, I got off on that, all with the Tower of Babel. The age of human government ended with the Tower of Babel and we went into the time of what they call the promise. And that came through Abraham. Now these are all different times, different ages that are identified in the Bible. And in each time, the way you identify them is really the way that was most marked at that time, the time of promise with Abraham. Remember Abraham? Him, him and Sarah, you know, they were, they, they were old and they, they weren't able to conceive and, and God had promised them a seed, but it looked like, you know, they were just as good as dead. And you all ever feel that way? With something God's told you to do? Well, you know, it's just as good as dead as far as I'm concerned. Well, aren't you glad he's the God of the rest? resurrection and Abraham believed God and the Bible says he grew strong in faith giving glory to God and that age was most notably was the way God spoke was was through someone who believed him and it was called the time of promise and uh, then we get to the time, uh, actually, you know, remember they, that they, they went in after that, you know, remember Joseph, you know, Joseph, and he went into Egypt and he delivered the people for seven years of famine. But then after Joseph died, there became, the king came into the land who didn't know and didn't remember the God of Joseph. He was Pharaoh, the king, remember? And there was a little child born during a time when it didn't look like it was a good time to be born. He was born when Pharaoh was killing all young little baby boys that were born and at just such a time Moses was born didn't look like the right time Pharaoh was killing little baby boys and Moses was born a little baby boy didn't look like the right time but it was exactly the timing of God a little boy named Moses was born and as he grew up and was nurtured in Pharaoh's house and actually you know Moses wasn't perfect ought to give y'all hope you know, some of us think, I really, I've looked and read things in the Bible. I thought, if I was God, I don't think I'd put that in there. <laughs> but that ought to make you feel pretty good. God doesn't care. Put it all in there. All the warts and all the bumps and all that. Put it all in there. And see how my promise and my plan is greater than all your failures and all your weaknesses. It ought to help y'all to want to shout in the middle of a big, fat, weak. You think this is just too much for me. Well, it probably is, but it's not too much for God. And so here Moses is born. And the, the point of his time is that although he did, you know, run out on everybody for a while, the point is that he did come through to be the deliverer that God was looking for in his generation. And because of it, his whole generation was marked because he chose to believe God. 
See, all these different times, we call this the time of the law. All these different times are marked by uh, uh, certain events and, and situations. But even though those events took place, there was always somebody in each one of those times who stood up. You say, how did they stand up? In Hebrews 11, it tells us they did it by faith. By faith, he says, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. I mean, by faith, you know, he still speaks, though he's dead. You know, some people speak louder dead than others do alive. By faith, by faith, he says, Moses did not regard, you know, the, 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 he left. In other words, he didn't care about what they had in Egypt. He cared about what God gave him. By faith. Abraham, you know, he believed God. He, he left the country where he came from. He didn't know where he was going, but he did know he had to go. He did it by faith. And so each of these times, each of these ages were marked by people who chose to believe God's word. Well, let me tell you something. Our time is no different. And now here we are. He says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, we're at the end of the ages. And he says in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, you say, well, is it just by accident that I'm here? I mean, is it just a, you know, a fluke of nature, you know, that I'm here? No, according to Acts 17, 26, God has made from one blood. If you got your Bible, you can turn there and look at it. This is a good, uh, this will, this will help you straighten your collar. You don't feel like, well, I'm supposed to be here. Even though anybody else in your neighborhood, everybody else in your neighborhood might have said, you're a surprise and you're unplanned and unwanted. That's not what God says. According to Acts 17 verse 26, he, speaking of God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. That means he's the one who puts you where you're at. You might think it's by accident, but I'm telling you right now, God can take man's accident and make it a divine appointment. He says, uh, uh, he made one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Now, what does that tell you? God's the one that determined when you, what time you would be living in. God's the one that determined where you would live. And not only that, God determines how far you can go. So you know what that tells me? Don't let anybody but God set your course. Don't let anybody but God determine who you are. Don't let anybody but God shape your personality. Don't let anybody. I'm telling you, if you don't know who God says you are, you don't know who you are. Because I'm telling you, you did not make yourself. The Bible says God made you. You're the sheep of his pasture. You belong to him. And he determined when and where you would live. And you say, oh, no, nobody even. I mean, it was just an accident. Or it might have been a rape. It might have been something that was done. And you say, well, did God plan that? No, God did not plan that. But I'm telling you, he can take what the devil meant to destroy. And he can turn it around into a very place of blessing. How many of y'all know that's exactly what he did in the garden with Adam and Eve? He took a plan of destruction to destroy the whole world. Did he plan for Adam and Eve to sin? No, but he made a plan of redemption that turned their destruction around. Yes, that's right. And he does the same thing for you. Glory to God. 
You say, well, you know, if, if that bad thing hadn't happened, then I wouldn't, you know, really, I'm glad it happened because it made me better. No, the only thing that will make you better when a bad thing happens is if you get a hold of the plan of God. You understand? It's only God who's got a good plan for you. As far as the devil's concerned, he wants to do one thing, steal, kill, and destroy your life. But when you get a hold of God's plan, I don't care what other plan was in motion. When you get a hold of God's plan, you get a hold of a plan for good and not for evil. You get a plan of abundant life that is greater than your destruction. So here we are. Now here, so where are we right now? See, we're not living during Abraham's time. We're not living during Moses' time. We're not living during, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, age of human government or the age of innocence. That's not the time we're living in. Have y'all ever wanted to know what time is it? Huh? You know, when you go to a mall and you go and you want to get somewhere, and you, you know, I, I went, went to one not too long ago. I was trying to find a yogurt shop. And so I went in and I went to the directory. If I don't know where it's at, if I'm in a town and I, I'm in a place I haven't been before and I don't know where I want to go, then what do you do? You go to a directory and when you looked on the directory, I might look to see, you know, yogurt shop and I might be in F1, you know, purple F. Number one, three, four. But in order for me to know how to get to F one, three, four, there's something I have to look at. How many of y'all know what it is? I have to find that little red dot or that little red X that says you are here. Is that right? Because there is no way I may want to get to F one, three, four. But if I don't know where I'm at, if I don't know where I'm at, I will not know how to get to where I want to go. You understand? No yogurt. That's what's in you. Oh, no yogurt. And so, so sometimes you think, well, I, you know, I just feel like I have no reason. I feel like I have no purpose. I feel like I can't really be or do what I need to do. Well, maybe your, your problem is you don't know where you are. Yeah. Maybe you just don't know where you are. And since you don't know where you are, it's very hard to figure out where you want to go. And so uh, the word of God is very clear with helping us understand where we are on God's timetable. You know, this is our generation. This is our day. This is our hour. I mean, I read, I read the things that are examples, but here I am in the end of the ages. And actually it says in, uh, in Matthew chapter, uh, 16, I love this is, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Um, uh, Matthew chapter 16, when Peter was talking to Jesus and he's walking on the earth and here comes Jesus. He was born during the age of the law, during the time of the law ruling people, Moses law. And so here he comes, he's walking on the earth and people are, you know, trying to figure out who he is and, and he knows what he's doing, but nobody else really is quite sure. And Jesus comes around and he asks, uh, uh, he comes to his disciples and he asks them, who do people say that I am? And they say some verse 14 of Matthew 16, some say John the Baptist, some I'm Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then he looks at his disciples and he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, and that you read that a lot in the New Testament. Peter answered. And Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, you're right. You just saw 
out of heaven from the throne of God, a revelation. A re- you know what a revelation is? It's when something has been hidden, but now it's revealed. It's not hidden anymore. Now it is revealed. And Peter saw something that God was doing in Jesus Christ. And when he saw it, he said, you are the Christ The son of the living God. He literally saw the plan of God for our time being uncovered. You know, Jesus didn't just come so we would have some kind of, you know, historical event. Actually, all of history is about him. I mean, and here he is, Peter, you know, he's, he's just, he's just walking along and he gets a revelation. He sees something of the plan of God. And Jesus said, you're right, Peter, but look at how he says it. He says, and you are, uh, I also say to you in verse 18, I also say that means, that means also add this to the fact that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. That's true. I am the Christ, the son of the living God. But I also say to you that you are Peter. Now he's getting personal. Now he's talking about who Peter is. Now he's going and he's going, you see this right here? You are here. You see that red dot? You see it right there? You are here. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I, Jesus, will build my church. Woo! You know, I I probably read this last time I was here because I'm reading it until... I, I, I just reading it until people see where they are. I will build my church and the gates of hell. Now get this now. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How many of you know he's talking about authority there? You know, he's talking about authority. He says, you know, I'm Jesus. I'm the anointed of God. But now, Peter, I want to talk to you about who you are and your place in what God is doing. He says, let me tell you about who you are. He says, you are Peter, but on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And he's not talking about building it on Peter. He's talking about building it on who he is and what he's going to do that Peter saw. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what he's telling Peter? I'm going to do something that no devil can undo. I'm going to do something that there's nothing the devil has that can come and and destroy what I'm going to do. He said, you want to know the defining term of what I'm going to do? He said, it is called the church. Glory to God. You say, I don't know why Jesus came. I know why he came. Because of the church. Ephesians 5 tells us that Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. You say, well, I thought he came to save the sinner. Well, how do you think the sinner's going to see salvation? You think it's just going to happen? No. It is the activity and the authority of the church that determines whether the sinner ever sees salvation or not. It's not the activity of Jesus. It's the activity of the church. Now, I understand that Jesus, the church, is the body of Christ. But I want you to see the church as what you are, who you are, and what you're doing. Because I got news for you. You are the body of Christ. Jesus in the flesh is not here anymore. But you are. 
And you say, what did God do in Jesus Christ? You know what he did? He literally came to this earth. The word became flesh. It says in John chapter one, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then you know what he did? He came, took our sin, bore our sicknesses, carried our pains, died under our curse. And then he rose up from the grave, went to the right hand of the father. And he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now you go into all the world. And preach the gospel to every nation. And you know what he did? He literally gave the same authority that he received when he rose from the dead. He gave it to the church. Listen now. Turn over. Let me read one scripture and then we'll we'll stop here and we'll pick up uh, Sunday morning. Look over in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Let me tell you now, the devil doesn't care if you go to heaven. I mean, he'd rather you didn't. But he once you get saved, there's nothing he can do about it. But I will tell you this. He really cares a lot about you figuring out who you are and who the church is. Because the only way that he can stop the plan of God. Listen, it's not about who's got the greater power. Listen, it's not about that. God has whipped the devil. You think Saddam Hussein was a surprise? Everybody thought he was hiding out in a palace somewhere, and there he was in a hole in the ground. I mean, you thought that was a surprise? Wait till you see the very one who's been defeated by the blood of Jesus. You're expecting to see somebody who's got, you know, oh, he's just having a good time. He's laughing and having a party. I'm telling you right now, the Bible describes him as running in terror. He's afraid. Uh, uh, Literally, James says, you believe God? He said, good. Demons also believe and tremble. He said, you want to know what devils look like? They're afraid. They're living in terror. You talk about living in a hole in the ground. I'm telling you, they're afraid and in terror. What are they afraid of? They are afraid of the very thing that Jesus purchased with his blood. They are afraid of the church of the living God. Woo, glory to God. They ain't sipping in, you know, their their beers in some gold palace with, you know, whatever you think that makes people happy in the flesh running around. I'm telling you, they're running in terror, hoping you never see the reality of what's been put in your hands. Because I'm telling you, church, it's in our hands. It's not in the hands of the world. You think what's happening in in our generation is going to be marked most by the world? No, no, no. The only significance the world has is in relation to their uh, 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 being connected with what God is doing. That's the only significance any ruler has in this world is if their connection with what the plan of God is. Without that, they will live and they will die. And it's over but in Ephesians look at this now real quick here oh I just want you to see this now because this is my first this is my first point (laughs) 
No, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do my other two. I'm going to wait till Sunday. We got more than one service. But I want you to see this now about the church because I'm telling you right now, devils are trembling, hoping you don't see this. They just hope you don't see it. But I'm here to tell you that what God has done is greater than what the devil's done. And he's doing it today. And you think it's been done big in, in times, generations past. I'm telling you, you ain't seen nothing yet. Woo, it's about to pop open and there ain't nothing the devil can do to stop it. It's been open since Jesus rose from the dead. But this end of the ages, you know what happens? You know, at the end, it's just like the first miracle in Canaan. That he's God saves the best for last. I mean, you think that he said, well, we thought everybody drunk to have the good wine at the beginning. Man, you saved the best till the last. He said, yeah, that's right. I'm starting something that can't be stopped. You think Jesus started his miracle saving the best till the last? Listen to me. The last miracles are going to be because he saved the best for the last. That's us, people. That's us. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says this. I could read this whole chapter and I could just blow up on every scripture. But... Ephesians chapter, first three chapters of Ephesians, I challenge you as a church member to read the first three chapters of Ephesians and read them over and over and over and let them just saturate your life because they are the most powerful chapters in the word of God concerning God's plan and his, his way of working his plan in the church of Jesus Christ. And he says in Ephesians chapter 1, I I won't read the first uh, part of it. We'll just go into the, we'll start at verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 1. Because he's talking about this prayer he's praying is not for God to do something. He's praying that you'll see something God has already done. And so he starts talking about Jesus and the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you would know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ. I want to read it to you out of this. He said, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, just look at this real quickly. I just want you to see this one thing. He's praying for you. He's praying for the church. And he says, I'm praying that you will see the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now, that phrase, the working of his mighty power, is exactly the same phrase that is used in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, when he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The working of his mighty power and the, he says, be strong, Ephesians 6, 10, and the power of his might. It's the exact same phrase in the, um, in the Greek. And it literally means that you would uh, hear, he says in, in Ephesians 1, 19, he's talking about the exceeding greatness of God's power toward us. Uh, he says, uh, according to the working of his mighty power. And that literally those words mean, I won't give it to you in the Greek because getting it in English will probably just be just enough for most of us. But those words literally mean, there are two words in the Greek, and the two words together literally mean a, 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 the, the working that God, let me write, let me read it to you just like I wrote it down. It is the manifested power of God's strength. Do you understand? It's, it's talking about manifested power. 
But the manifestation is according to God's strength. Now, now, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you know, if I want to manifest to you my strength right now, I could probably lift about a 20-pound dumbbell. (laughs) Maybe in both arms if I'm ready. And, you know, that's probably what I would manifest to you my strength. Now, you might be able to manifest, I don't know, 120. Who knows? I don't know how much you can carry. I don't know how much you can press. But I do know that when God manifests his strength, that's that you say, well, what happens when, you know, God, this is not Mr. Universe. This is Mr. Death, Hell, and the Grave. This is not Mr. Universe. This is not Mr. America. I'm telling you, this is Mr. Death, Hell, and the Grave. You say, what happens when God manifests his strength? Now, this is what we're supposed to be strong in, according to Ephesians 6.10. And now he says in Ephesians 1.19, it was according to the working of his manifested strength. What happens when God manifest. You understand what manifest means? That means we're not just talking about it. It's actually, we're not just watching the show. I mean, it's not just something we're talking about. We are literally watching the show. And as you're going to see, as we keep going, you're not just watching the show. You are the show. Now look at what happens here. It says he, when he, when this is what happens in Ephesians, when God manifests his strength, well, I can manifest, what, what, how do you manifest your strength? About 120, maybe 240, maybe you're, I don't know. I don't even know what's good. So, you know, but I do know that God, when he manifests his strength, this is what happens in verse 20. It says, which he worked in Christ. God manifested his strength in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So what does the first thing God's manifested strength do? It literally is marked by the very power that blasted out of a grave that was held by every devil, every curse, every sickness, every disease. And when when God manifested him his strength, he raised Christ from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Look at this now. Far above. You say, this sounds so extreme. This is God's manifested strength. I mean, wh- how much do you think God can do? He says, well, let me tell you, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Woo! Does this sound like that what God did was really the only thing that really anything that's ever happened, it was really, it only happened so God could do this? Does it sound like that all of history points to one thing? That's what I'm trying to say. Does it sound like really all of history really only points to one event? Does it, is that what it sounds like? Look at this now, that he manifested his strength in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality, all power, all might, all dominion, every name that is named, not just in this age, not just the time you're living in, but also in that which is to come. In other words, everything, everything, the only thing that makes sense for anything is this. That's right. What are you looking at? This, you are here. 
If you don't get this, I'm telling you, it won't matter. Nothing else will make sense. But look at this now, because it's not just you. It's not just you, Bubba. It's what God's plan is at this time. And he says, and he says, he, he, he raised him up and put him, name that is above every name, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. Sound like authority? Does this sound like a place of absolute authority? Does it sound like a place where there is nothing that is greater than what God has done? Yes, he has put all things under his feet and he put and he gave him. Look at this now. What was God doing? Was he doing it for Jesus? No, he wasn't doing it for Jesus. He was doing it in Jesus. He gave him to be head over all things to the church. Woo! How many of you know what the church is? Listen to me. Do you know what the church is? The church is not just a building. It is a place where God's plan and purpose is revealed. It is not just an abstract mystical idea. It literally is manifested in the local assembling together of believers who join up with faith and say Moses did it Abraham did it Joshua did it and I can do it too what am I trying to tell you there's one thing that marks your time one thing listen to me I don't know what you're doing with your life but there's a reason we call it a lifetime because there's certain things that you only have a time to do them in And once that time is over, then it's too late. And one of those things is the church. Listen to me. Nothing else is more important than your place as the church of Jesus Christ. Because everything else. Listen, he goes on and he says, He gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Listen to the Message Bible. I'll just read this one and then we'll... We'll move on. The Message Bible says it like this. It says, he says, at the center of all of this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. That's his translation of he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He said the church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Now, how many of you know what peripheral means? Peripheral. How many of you know what a perimeter is? How many of you know what a perimeter is? The perimeter is the outer edge of something, right? You understand? The outer edge. It's not the center It's not, you know, the very center. It's the outer edge. And usually the outer edge or the perimeter is where people, you know, it's kind of like sitting in the, you know, the nosebleed section of a, you know, (laughs) of a a auditorium. You know what I mean? If you're in the nosebleed section, you're out on the very edge. You're very at the very back row. 
That's kind of, it's kind of back row type thinking when you think of perimeter. You're right on the edge. You're right on the end. And if you just happened to leave or if you wouldn't there, it really wouldn't matter. Nobody would even really know that you were gone because you're not really the focus of anything. You're just on the perimeter. You're on the outer edge. But what he is saying is, listen, if God put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, then the church is not peripheral to the the world the world is peripheral to the church in other words the center and the focus of your generation is not found in what the world's doing it is found in one thing and that is in what the church is doing y'all got me listen how many of you know you heard of Sodom and Gomorrah you know Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed because of sin Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because of a lack of righteousness You remember Abraham prayed if there's 10 righteous men, remember, and they couldn't find 10 righteous men. It wasn't destroyed because of sin. It was destroyed because of a lack of righteousness. I'm telling you in our generation, in our time, it's not about what the sinner is doing. It's not about how much sin is going on in our generation. You want to know what determines what God does in our generation? It's not about what the world is doing. It's about what the church is doing. You understand? Because the church is the place of God's power and God's authority. You say, what kind of power? He just told us in Ephesians 1.19, it is according to the working of his mighty power. The same manifested strength that was accomplished when Jesus whipped every devil. When he went through death, hell, and the grave. Rose up to the right hand of the Father. That same manifested strength is the mighty power that is working in you who believe the church of Jesus Christ. It's devil stomping, hell busting, sickness destroying, devil defeating. I'm telling you you it's God's mighty power this is a place of power it is a place of power I know we got to shake ourselves because you get out and you see people and you look at them and you know they don't know about the you know you can tell you listen to them talk and you know they don't know about Jesus and you say what do I do well let me tell you something what you do individually will be no greater than what you do with the church. Listen to me. Your commitment to Christ is no greater than your commitment to the church. Mm -mm -mm. You must understand that. Because if you don't understand that, the devil will keep you just uh, always running and always focusing on something. And you'll love God and you'll be sincere. But yet the plan and purpose of God with his power will actually never be... uh, 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 Targeted in your life the way God has planned because I'm telling you Christians Jesus died for the church and he made it possible for there to be a rule and reign of God's plan in our generation and when when history is over there's one thing that will mark our generation it's not the law it's not the promise it's not the tower of Babel it's not it is not entertainment it is not JLo it is not whoever else you think it is it is the church Glory to God. Hallelujah. That was a whole lot better than your response. Glory to God. 
Oh, the devil hopes you don't shout. Yeah, he didn't want you to shout. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, it's our day. This is our day. This is our time. You don't shout, that means you don't see it. And the devil's happy. This is our time. This is our day. I'm going to say it again. This is our time. This is our time. Hallelujah. I almost want to. Glory to God. Well, do it. Whatever you want. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's true. It's true. Do you guys see it? There's a plan from heaven. Do you see it? Well, we got to get to church, but then we got to run right out. Do this. Run, run, run. Run home. See what's on. See what the Grammys are doing. Who gives a rip? I just pray over each and every person that's here tonight, each and every Christian. I pray that you are strengthened. According to Ephesians 3, this is one of those great prayers that helps you to understand the place of power and the plan of God in your life. That you are strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. I pray for that inner strengthening in your life. Let me read it to you. I pray for that inner strengthening in your life that you are infused with His strength. I pray, I want to read it like this so you'll get it. I pray that you are full. Oh, let me do it. Let me read it. Let me read it. Let me read it out of this translation. He says, um, that you, out of the riches of His glory, that you would be strengthened with might by His Spirit in your inner man. I pray that by virtue of the inexhaustible resources of His glorious perfection, that you are become strengthened powerfully in your innermost selves through His Spirit. I pray that you have an infusion of strength in the depths of your being by the Spirit of God. I pray that out of the glorious richness of His resources, He will enable you to know the strength of the Spirit's inner reinforcement. To use His unlimited resources to make your spirit strong by His by His Spirit. In other words, He's praying that something on the inside gets reinforced by His mighty power. That's what you're praying for Him. That's what I'm praying for you. Right. Because I'm telling you something. I don't care what comes against you. I want you to know what's for you. Everybody's got their sad tale to tell. Everybody's got their hee-haw show. But let me tell you something. When you become a Christian, everybody has got his mighty power. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, we just thank you, Jesus, for a night of power. Yes. Oh, I receive that prayer. We hope you've enjoyed this message by Lois Toucher and Cindy Duvall of Shekinah Glory Ministries. For more information about Shekinah Glory, log on to our website at www.shekinahglory.com. There you'll find our entire catalog of teaching materials, music CDs, and books all available for online purchase. The website also offers our daily devotional, updates from the road, and our ministry itinerary so you can pray for us as we travel throughout the United States and overseas. 
You can also join our mailing list in order to receive regular newsletter updates of ongoing ministry projects. Thank you and God bless you for your support of Shekinah Glory Ministries. We couldn't do it without you. Truly, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth. This is Ray Toucher, speaking for Shekinah Glory Ministries. Thank you and God bless you.